Welcome in to a Tuesday morning edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. And Alex, it's not just a Tuesday morning edition, it's a mailbag edition. We haven't done it in about a month. We thought it was about that time again. Um, so we've we've organized the questions we got into different themes. Today, it's not the horrible Kevin Costner movie. It's draft it's it's not draft day, it's draft episode. <laughs> yes, it is. And there's a lot of retrospection in this episode. Uh, there's, you know, we're going back to, to this past year's draft, deciding if some of the scenarios that were laid forth, uh, back then are things that we would still be interested in doing now, whether we have regrets about Obi and then some hypotheticals about how we'd like to see the rest of the season play out as it pertains to this upcoming draft. So we'll get into all that next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I am your host, Gavin Shaw, a podcaster by day and a podcaster by night, as Alex has dubbed me, call me Podcast Batman. One day, hopefully soon, a play-by-play broadcaster as well. And I'm joined by the great Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, a great Knicks website that you should all check out. If you missed it, we had their newest writer, Benji Ritholtz, on last week for an interesting look at the Knicks' lack of pace and how they could potentially change that. But Alex, no guests today. It's you, me, and questions from our adoring fans. We are doing a mailbag, and we are doing a draft-themed one. And it starts with a man named Martian Scorsese relation. I'm not sure, but I would assume so. Uh, His handle is at Matt Siller. Um, And he wants to know if we would care to revisit any of the draft day trade rumors that were floated with 30 games of hindsight. Um, RJ for the Warriors pick. Would you do that? That was something that was loosely out there. Um, So, and he says that's essentially wondering if you would do LaMelo Ball for R.J. Barrett, I guess. And also, would you have done Mitchell Robinson an 8-for-2? That was a scenario you and I discussed a lot. We were both on the same page on draft night that we would not do that. The question is, are we on the same page now? Would you do either of those deals today if given the chance? Yeah, I mean, it's it, that's a tough one. I mean, I think LaMelo Ball is definitely looking like he was probably the best. I won't say the best value. I'll still give that to quickly, but I think it's pretty clear that LaMelo Ball was definitely the best talent in this draft class and maybe even a better talent than people really gave him credit for. Uh, just to dive into his stats real quick, he's at 14.6 points per game, shooting 43% from the field, 34.6% from three, 80.6% from the free throw line uh, with 6.1 rebounds, 6.1 assists, one and a half steals per game. And he's done all that in under 30 minutes, uh, which is pretty impressive. And he's only started 10 games now. I I think uh, 
man, I, it's tough to make a one-to-one comparison because they don't play the same position and stuff. Also, you know, we have to consider like quickly and, you know, what, what drafting Lamelo at two would have meant for, you know, as far as quickly is concerned. Do they still then take Obi Toppin at eight if they trade up to number two? Or does that send things in flux enough that then maybe Charlotte takes Obi at number three or something? You know, if they were if they were dead set on the mellow ball, but then don't get him, you know, then do the Knicks. It, it, I guess this is assuming the RJ for Lamelo, uh, uh, you know, thing here where the Knicks don't have to give up their own draft pick for it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I think I said, I, I said prior to the draft that I probably would have taken RJ over any of the prospects in this draft. Uh, now I think I would probably st- Still say I would take him over any prospect but LaMelo. Um, I think LaMelo is is better. And so if if I could go back in time and there was an offer where it was RJ for pick number two and the Knicks still hold on to pick number eight and still hold on to their later picks, I would probably take it. Um, and I might even still take quickly at pick 25 if things shake down the same exact way there. And I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute, but if I still had pick eight, and it was Obi versus someone else. I might go someone else there as well. Um, but I, I won't spoil that because we have another question about that in a minute. But to answer the, the general question, I feel like, strangely enough, I would be more on board probably with RJ straight up for number two at this point than I would be of Mitch and number eight. Because I, I like what Mitch does to anchor the defense. And I feel like LaMelo sort of gives you just a better better shooting already somehow, even though that was supposed to be, you know, a potential weakness. And it's, it's not like he's shooting good, you know, pretty good from three on low volume. He's shooting 5.2 attempts per game uh, and hitting 34.6% of them. So, you know, I, I think I would definitely, I would, I would do RJ for the straight up, you know, so RJ for the number two pick Mitch and eight for the number two pick. I, it's not a one-to-one, you know, trade off there. So I'm not a hundred percent certain that I would. Um, and the, and so that's, that's a little more dicey to get into because then you go, okay, you take Lamelo there, but now you have no rim protector. Assuming you could still sign Noel, that's fine. But then like, does that mean no quickly? Like, what do you do with the, with what was the 27th and uh, 30, 38th picks at the time? Um, you know, what do you end up doing with those? Do you, do you still make those same moves to like trade up to 23 or 22 or whatever it was, and then, you know, move back and then still make all those same, you know, machinations there. It's, it's a lot to think about. Um, but I I think strangely enough, the RJ for two, one would be almost a slam dunk for me at this point. And then I'll keep eight, keep the later first round pick and also the second round pick, and then just kind of see where things took you from there. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm operating under the premise that that you would be doing this on draft night. So it, it would it would be as if um, one of us came from the future and and Leon Rose for whatever reason took us seriously and we were we were able to convince him. Look, you should just you should do whatever you can to go get Lamelo Ball, but not a scenario where everyone is drafting today because I think in that world uh, Minnesota takes him at number one and and it's sort of it's sort of a done deal and the Knicks are, are kind of just praying for Emmanuel quickly to make it to pick eight in, in that scenario. 
Um, but I, I would, um, in the hypothetical where we are uh, time travelers, Alex, which is, is maybe not that far off, um, I would I would certainly do either of these two deals without a lot of question. I think LaMelo Ball is a perennial all-star, franchise-changing type of player, to your point. Um, the shooting is the thing that almost no one expected from him. Uh, that is translated instantaneously, and it's not even just the number of attempts. He, he gets a he gets a couple of spot ups a game just because he's playing with uh, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Devonte Graham. He's playing with some pretty good shot creators, but a lot of the threes he takes, you you go and watch the highlights as I do with him every night because he's already one of like my my ten or so favorite players in the league to watch. Um, and he, he's creating a lot off of step backs, pull ups. Like these are these are high de- degree of difficulty shots. And the fact that he's already hitting them, to your point, at volume with accuracy is a really good sign that you might not just have a, a good three-point shooter. You have a potentially elite three-point shooter. And, and you combine that with his size, his speed, his passing. Like it, it feels like as teams have to guard him out on the perimeter, he's becoming increasingly unstoppable at just getting to the rim. Everyone knows from our myriad of draft previews and watching him so far. I mean, the guy walked into the NBA as probably one of the five to 10 best passers in all of basketball. That is translated really well. I love RJ Barrett. I think he's going to be a really good player. I love Mitchell Robinson. I think he's going to be a really good player, but there's there's no question for me I would make this deal. Even when you throw eight into the equation, because again, I'm operating under the premise that the only thing as, as quote unquote time travelers were allowed to tell Leon Rose is that uh, LaMelo Ball is really, really good. So the Knicks, I think, would actually still take Obi Toppin at eight. And the irony there is I think having LaMelo Ball as his point guard would have been the best possible thing for his career. All of a sudden, um, you're sort of forcing Tibbs's hand in terms of being a transition team or, or at least playing more up-tempo when LaMelo's in the game. And, and I think having like a brilliant lead passer, we keep talking about it, like how many lobs uh, on a night-to-night basis, Lamelo, or, or rather, Obi misses out on just because his point guard play is so poor. I, I think, I think with Lamelo on the roster, he's getting six easy points every single night that you're no longer missing. So even if I couldn't force the Knicks' hand in terms of changing that pick, I, I think it looks a lot better with Ball on the team. To your point, the greatest question is: All right, how does that affect things with quickly? And, and I think if you're if you're telling them to go draft Lamelo. You're taking a gamble that they would still go find quickly at either 25 or if they just stayed at pick 28. I actually think they would have. I also think there's a chance that maybe they keep their second round pick for some reason. I, it's it's maybe less likely. Maybe they sell off both picks even because they already have two rookies coming in. So that that is the big question and the big risk. I personally think Kenny Payne, like clearly he had that, I mean, from coaching him, like he, he knew what quickly was going to be. I think he would have talked the front office into um, either bringing in, like in the scenario where they trade RJ, uh, bringing in three rookies, or if they traded Mitch and traded the pick, just staying at that spot and still taking quickly. Um, I don't think their skill sets are overlapping outside of the sense that, um, at least for the moment, uh, LaMelo and Quickly are both defensively deficient and it'd be hard to play them big minutes together. But I, I think given the size difference and, and the fact that LaMelo is so big, and that quickly projects his, I think, ultimately a pr- like average to above average defender. There's a world where you could play both of them together, and they would be pretty deadly. So I think the Knicks stick with their initial plan. I would I would go get Lamelo Ball and worry about everything else after. But I, I think there's a pretty good chance the Knicks could still end up with Lamelo and quickly, even if you could only mention that Lamelo is, is kind of a star now. Yeah, exactly. And I was, for what it's worth, I was operating under the 
under the time traveler assumption too, because I don't think, yeah, there's like no way that you could, uh, you, could get, you just said redraft, he would be gone. Is the yeah. Like if it was a redraft, like there'd be no, there'd be no quickly at 25 still, you know, LaMelo, you would have to trade up to the number one pick. And I don't think that anybody would, anybody would, you know, not take him there as much as Anthony Edwards can throw down a sweet dunk. Uh, I, I don't think he's nearly as good as LaMelo ultimately. Um, so yeah, that's, <laughs> it's all with, uh, with the assumption that we can, we can have the knowledge that nobody else has. <laughs> yeah. All right. And, and so, so we told people how to fix their draft, Alex. Can you tell people how to fix their car? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point And something that I was about to get into, uh, you know, I'm sure that some of you people out there listening have tried to fix your own car one point or another. And the worst part, at least for me, if I try to do any home car repairs is always going to that auto parts store. You know, you go in, they don't have the parts you're looking for. You, you know, have to order it and then they get it shipped to their store. It takes a few days. So you have to make another trip back there and you get the bill. So it's super expensive. And you ultimately just kind of find yourself thinking like, if this is going to cost this much, I may as well have just gone to the mechanic and paid, you know, an extra few dollars and just gotten it done for me, even if it is fun to, to work on your car. But that's where rockauto.com comes in. You know, rockauto.com has every part that your car needs. I can guarantee that they have. I mean, if you just log on to their website, go to rockauto.com, you'll see a list of every make of car you could possibly think of. And they have parts for all of them, all models, all years. For example, I have a 09 Subaru Forester XT. So all I'd have to do to get there is I go on their site, click on Subaru, click on the, the year 2009 click on the model Forester, then click on the trim package, the XT. And then I'm just greeted with a really easy to sort through list of parts for my car. It's made me a lot more ambitious to go after some car projects. And that's because rockauto.com gives you the best prices out there. They're giving you the bottom dollar on your car parts, no matter what you're looking for, no matter what you need to fix your car. That's, you know, they're going to have you covered and they're going to have the part that you are looking for at the best price possible. So if you're interested in checking out what rockauto.com has for your car or truck, head there right now. And if you decide to pick up a part, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and we're back. We're covering everything you need to know about the Knicks, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. So Gavin, back to the mailbag. Locked On <laughs> Locked on Today's mailbag here. Uh, we have, this is a sort of a, a double question i guess the it was a similar question from two people so we're going to kind of lump it together um and that's sort of the case with our last two segments here but so the the first part of this question comes from carrie clug at carrie clug on twitter carrie says i got roasted pretty hard last time i asked you guys this but i stand by this question as much as i did the night we drafted him trade obi question mark i think he is wildly overrated even wrote about it for my first basketball article here which if, if you want to read Carrie's uh, article there, you can certainly check it out. It's under our mailbag post on Twitter. 
Uh, and then <laughs> period. <laughs> it's just, just a period at Barrett King 89, uh, asked thoughts on Toppin. Do you think it was the wrong pick and who would have you liked instead? If so, so far he hasn't really impressed at all in his limited role, but him being the quote unquote, most NBA ready is looking like a myth as he looks the furthest away from an NBA player on this entire team. I don't know if I quite go that far, but, um, Gavin, I guess I, ultimately this all kind of boils down to one, would we feel comfortable trading Obi? Which I don't, I don't think either of us would say like, absolutely. Like I definitely would never trade Obi. Um, but you know, I guess under what circumstances would you trade him? Um, and then do we regret the pick overall? And neither of us was particularly on board with the pick, even on draft night. So I, we have some, some, uh, evidence to fall back on as far as our feelings on Obi Toppin, but I'll throw it to you first and then I'll, I'll take it from there. But like, what are your thoughts on Obi thus far? Like not even 30 games into his career. Cause he did of course miss a number of them with that calf strain earlier. Yeah. I think, I think I'll give the, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, it was the same answer that I gave last time to carry. I would, I would not trade Obi Toppin because his value will never be lower than it is right now. And I understand the inherent, issue there is okay but if you have all-star Julius Randle and Tibbs isn't going to play them together when is his value going to be higher than it is now and and that's it's a fair question but you, you can't assume Randle's going to be healthy the rest of the year there might be a scenario in two weeks where Obi Toppin is all of a sudden playing 30 minutes a game um, I, I assume Kevin Knox would get back into the rotation in that scenario but there, there are still worlds where, where Obi can break out a little bit, at least offensively, his first season. Obviously, um, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows I'm not the person pushing back on on the him being uh, overrated on draft night. Alex isn't either. Uh, pretty much anyone we had on was not pushing back on that theory. Throughout the season, I've been very, very down on him. I've been trying to trying to be a little bit more optimistic lately. Because you, you, do, you do see he does some good things on a basketball court, some things at a really high level. It's just that they're sort of few and far between. And as we've noted a number of times, um, the Knicks style of play and the roster around him is about as ill-fitting as possible to highlight his skill set. As far as what the future holds for him um, and, and him being the player on the team that's farthest away, I guess to some, I mean, there are guys, there are guys in the G League, and he's not in the G League. I, I guess, I, I guess, I would question to some extent if he was not Obi Toppin, if if the Nick, if like, let's just say you flipped him and Miles Powell, which which is an interesting scenario because they're they're about the same age, and in some ways they had very similar profiles in college in that they were guys who were who were stars in the college game, and they were and offensively were completely unstoppable in college, and there were questions as to how it would translate to the NBA, there was there were obviously just like people were in general just far, far more confident that Obi's offense would translate and someone like Miles Powell would. But again, let, let's go let's time travel. Let's go into a hypothetical alternate dimension. Miles Powell is the Knicks eighth pick and Obi Toppin is undrafted. Has Obi Toppin played a minute for the Knicks in that scenario? I'm not sure. I think there's there's a chance that Kevin Knox would have a spot in the rotation and we would see Obi on the Westchester Knicks right now. So I I'm not sure if you're wrong with him being really, really far away. Obviously, we've seen some some improvements from him in the past days and weeks, but he still looks like 
I, there are moments where he looks really confident and like has really solid stretches out there, far more than earlier in the season. But there are still moments where he just looks like rattled by the NBA game. Like watching him shoot, it, it's the shot of someone who joins a pickup game for the first time with new people and is slowly realizing, oh crap, everyone is better than me. Like he just he, he just looks like he, he's just throwing it up. And I think it's a product of him, again, not playing with teammates that have made the game easy on him and, and just not playing enough minutes to quite settle in yet. But I wouldn't necessarily push back against the idea that he is extremely, extremely far away from sustainable NBA success, except for saying the one thing that you and I have noted and the one thing Benji noted when he was on, he is further along defensively than any of us thought. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code LOCKEDON, and that's all one word, Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and successes of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Right now, you can hear Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Eric Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. It's kind of weird, right? The way that this is all shook down. Like, we all thought that Obi was going to be a complete disaster on defense, but he's actually, like, somewhat decent there. And we all thought that he was going to be, like, a dynamo on offense that could maybe, you know, we, I know you and I, I think, speculated on this, and there was a lot of speculation on this in general that. You know, it might be a little bit empty calories, but he might have, you know, contended for rookie of the year, particularly, I guess, if if Randall hadn't, uh, you know, exploded the way that he has. But like if Obi was getting like huge minutes, we thought that maybe he could be a rookie of the year candidate on sort of empty calories, like, you know, 15 to 20 points per game uh, of just, you know, pick and roll and, you know, the occasional three pointer and whatever. And that hasn't come to fruition at all. Um, meanwhile, his defense, like, I mean, he's made some pretty good defensive plays. He had a really nice block the other night that got called a foul. Um, you know, he's surprisingly played some okay one-on-one defense, like down low. So he's better than expected there. And he's, he's also not a complete disaster. Like as far as turning his hips and stuff on the perimeter, like he's kept some guys in front of him, uh, which is more than we thought. We thought he'd basically be a turnstile. So it's it's kind of weird how that's all shaken down. But the big thing is like, you know, his he just has no strength, you know, in his lower body. And he, he clearly is somewhat strong in his upper body, but that's just led so far to him catching a bunch of offensive fouls for pushing off on guys because that's the only way he can generate separation. He can't just like throw his butt into somebody and, you know, create separation that way. So it's, you know, all the concerns, all the concerns about his offense that, were made by, you know, our guests and, and all the people on like draft Twitter and whatever have all come out pretty much in full force. You know, there's not a, there's not really too many positives about his offense other than the passing, which is 
maybe depending on who you talk to, it's as good as advertised or better than advertised. Um, but yeah, I guess to, to get to the actual question, uh, do I think it was the wrong pick? Yes, I still think it was the wrong pick. I still probably would have taken, uh, I would say Vassell or Avdia. Um, I was kind of leaning Avdia on draft night, but I don't think you could have gone wrong either way. Or potentially Kyra Lewis, um, who was the guy that you and I targeted in our locked on mock draft, but he, you know, went a little later. So it's like, it, you know, I would have preferred, I guess, maybe if they were going for him to try to trade down for some team that wanted Obi, um, you know, if the Knicks weren't so infatuated with him themselves. But, you know, there's that. Uh, then as far as the trading him, I, I'm in agreement with you, Gavin. I, I don't think I would be actively searching for a trade for him right now. Uh, just because I I think his value is probably about as low as it can be. But also you have to consider like, you know, it, maybe if you're talking a trade for him, it wouldn't necessarily just be like Obi Toppin straight up for someone. Um, it would just be like Obi as part of a package for some larger star or something. And so in, in that respect, I don't think the Knicks should make that move at this moment either uh, to go after like a Bradley Beal or something. So I would still hold off like his value now versus like a year from now hopefully he'll be playing better a year from now still has you know two and a half years left on his rookie contract that's pretty desirable uh so hopefully you know you could do something with that so i, I wouldn't trade him right now I'd, i don't think i would you know be actively like someone take him off my hands please like give me a, a <laughs> the frank nilakina treatment of like just give me a second round pick any second round pick i don't care i just don't want him anymore i, I certainly wouldn't be on that do you that think point. i i guess the only the only question is, and I was kind of, I was kind of leading this way um, at the very beginning of the segment. What's his, what's his future on the team if Randall keeps this up? Like how, and and you you operate under the presumption they'll never be able to play together. Is it that he has to totally change his game and like really, really iron out that three point shot and become a perimeter threat and guard small forwards on the other end of the floor? Like it, it, it kind of sucks because him and Randall are really sort of locked in at the positions. Like the point, the NBA is all about like positional flexibility and getting your best five out there in, in 2021. And you can do that when you have a bunch of guards. You could always say, all right, we just got to play bigger in the front court. Um, if you have two centers, you usually have to trade one. But generally with forwards, it's like, oh, give me all the forwards in the world. But these are these are like the rare two guys who are pretty definitively power forwards. That, that's sort of my big question with him. And, and what's so, so weird about this, that the Knicks clearly had no clue this Randall breakout was was coming to this extent. Because even even if they thought Obi Toppin was an all-star, I'm not sure if they ever would have picked him if they saw this coming in any way. So I'm just, I, I just don't know what is going to change for Obi where all of a sudden he's playing 30 minutes a night. I think the, I think my plan would be to try to really work on strength and conditioning with him and try to make it so that he could play the five. You know, I I think that's the path forward for him if <clears throat> if Randall is gonna, you know, be a fixture on this team for the next whatever, like five years. Let's just say, you know, like he plays his next year of his contract and then, you know, re ups with the Knicks for another three years or something. Um, you know, I I think at that point then you just gotta say to Obi, like, look, you gotta get big enough to bang with these with these bigs in the NBA, because he's never gonna be quick enough to keep it like to your point. It's way easier to add bulk onto him, I think, and make him a four-five type player, like truly, versus trying to magically make him able to keep up with threes. Because I just don't think, 
I don't think that's ever going to happen on the defensive end. I mean, he's been better than we think, but imagine him trying to guard like, I'm not even going to go upper echelon. Let's just say like, imagine him trying to guard like Brandon Ingram or something, you know, and that's not even paying service to like the Kevin Durant's of the world. I just, I don't think it would go well for him. Um, so I would be trying to get him to bulk up. You know, there was, there was similar Mitch, obviously his bread and butter was, being lengthy and blocking three pointers and all that stuff. But there was real concerns about will Mitch ever be able to bang with, with centers in the NBA? Like, is he just always going to be a little too skinny? Cause Mitch, you know, kind of drew some of the same criticisms for like having high hips and stuff like that, that Obi has. And, and, you know, Mitch has high hips, but pretty broad shoulders, you know, but also didn't look like there was a ton of room to put like a ton of weight on. And yet Mitch is through, I assume through a good off-season conditioning program, you know, gotten himself to the point now where, and just maturing into his body, he's gotten to a point now where he's, you know, he's pretty filled out and he can hang with all the, um, all the centers in the NBA by and large. You know, there's only like the Andre Drummonds, like the extra beefy guys of the world are the last ones that really give him trouble. But anyone else, he actually is the the stronger guy on the court a lot of nights. So as far as, you know, Obi, I know he's older, so maybe maybe it's a moot point. Maybe he is already so grown into his body that there's not much room for expansion. But I would just be like, look, we got to get you in the gym. We got to try to put a lot of muscle on your lower body and build on what you already have in your upper body. And, you know, you've shown enough that you can hang with like centers and stuff on defense, at least instincts wise. It's just he hasn't been able to hang with them physically. You know, he gets bodied on rebounds and stuff like that. So I think that would be my goal for him would be try to try to bulk him up to the point that he can play center Um, or at least like just four or five, whatever, you know. So you could play him and Randall together and they wouldn't get, you know, one of them, i.e. Obi, wouldn't get completely abused by whoever he's on the four or the five. I think that would be the ideal plan at this point, if you're going to stick with him long-term and if Randall's going to be here long-term. Yeah. And that's, I, I guess nominally the argument for that is that against the, the quote unquote beefier centers, like Randall does have that bulk that he's, I mean, you can maybe put in jump hooks over him all day, but he's not just going to get back down time and time again. The issue with Obi uh, playing the five is, is the rim protection. And it's not that he can't, block shots like we saw to your point literally last game he had that great block it's that he has such a long load time jumping that I think he's better blocking shots and help like when he can sprint from the three-point line and build some momentum if he's just kind of like sinking back in coverage like Mitchell Robinson does he doesn't he like I mean Mitch just has such a margin for error because he's already so big and he gets off the ground so quickly that he get he gets the shots that nobody expects him to and he alters shots that nobody expects him to with Obi, I I just don't see him getting up fast enough, I think you'd almost have to like, you'd have to invert um, uh, basically the premise of the Knicks and say, all right, we're going to have the third best offense in basketball and the 29th best defense and just try and run teams out of the building. And and I think you'd almost be like, that's, I I don't think that's the model to, to win a championship with unless, unless you have next level offensive talent. So you almost have to just say, we're just buying time until the right trade comes along for Obi or maybe the right trade comes along for Randall. Because I, I just I don't think that's sustainable in any way. Though I think if the Knicks, especially if you if you draft really well and you end up with like a Sharif Cooper and Corey Kispert, all of a sudden the Knicks could be coming into next season looking like a really, really high level 
offensive team when you project in a year of growth for for everyone on the team like all, all of a sudden you're looking at a ton of offensive talent I, I think you could just say all right screw it we're gonna and, and who knows I don't think Tibbs is the coach to do this unless he has like a, a second midlife crisis and and even like further alters like his base strategy and, and base basketball philosophy um, but you could you could be looking at one of the best offenses and incidentally, I mean, especially if the Knicks, like in, in this world, maybe Mitchell Robinson is gone if Obi Toppin is starting, or we're talking about a scenario where Obi's just playing 24 minutes per game and he's literally playing every minute that one of Mitch or Randall isn't on the court. Um, you could be looking at a retrofitted team that all of a sudden is, is really dominant offensively. I, I am with you in the sense that I would like to see some Obi at the five minutes now with the bench. I, I just think it, it makes sense. And, and if you're going to project that as something he can do in the future, it would be nice to see if he can do it against bench guys right now. All right. Anyways, that's it's enough on Obi Toppin for one podcast. Uh, let's let's get into it's it's technically it's technically two final questions, Alex. But I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of uh, block them together because they they're of a similar similar conceit. Uh, the first one comes from Caleb Noel at underscore C Noel underscore. He says, would you rather the Knicks make the playoffs or end up with two second round picks inside of the top 10 and then Yale? First round picks, you mean? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Two first round picks. Yeah. Two second round picks. I mean, the Knicks might get two second round picks inside the top 10. And then. No, Yale, only one now. Oh, yeah. Traded, we, oh, yeah. I forgot, I forgot we don't have our own. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yale at Yale 714 wants to know um, would you rather two picks in the 10 to 15 range or trade up into the top seven? And what future asset would you include to make the deal happen? Alex, I'll throw that to you, whichever one of those two you want to start off with. Yeah, I guess. So in gen- so right now, the uh, what's the situation with the Knicks and Mavs picks? Let me pull up Tankathon just to see exactly where we're at right now. So the as it stands right now, the Knicks would actually have barely a lottery pick from Dallas, 14th pick, and their own 16th pick. Um, which is, I guess, roughly what uh, what Caleb is talking about there. So, I would I would probably say that at, assuming two first round picks inside the top ten, I guess, also assumes that that Dallas finishes bad enough to end up inside the top ten. If I could guarantee that the Dallas pick would end up in the top ten, I would want the Knicks to make the playoffs. I think because then you're getting you're getting a top 10 lottery odds pick plus you're getting a pick that's just outside of the lotto that gives you like decent enough firepower to move up one or two spots. If there's someone you feel super strongly about in the top, like five or six guys. Um, It also gives you a lot of options to potentially take, you know, if that Dallas pick would jump or something, then you can take someone like, let's just, we'll say conservatively, you don't get number one, but you know, you end up with number three or something and you could take, you know, Suggs or Mobley or something like that. That's like a potential franchise altering talent combined with then, you know, maybe you can still get someone like a, like a uh, Corey Kispert, you know, with your 16th pick or 17th or whatever it would end up being. If the standings held out that way, you know, I think there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of options out there for the Knicks if, if things shake down that way. And so I'd probably be on board with making the playoffs in that scenario. Um, as nice as getting two top 10 picks would be. That would also mean, I just think, a pretty serious collapse for the Knicks at this point because they've been proving to be a pretty pretty consistent 500 team at this point. So, you know, if for no good reason they end up just 
taking a dump and, you know, tumbling down the standings and ending up, you know, eight spots worse than where they were at previously or something, then that's, that's kind of a disappointment for me. Um, as far as the having two picks in the 10 to 15 or trade up into the top seven, um, it's tough to say because this draft is like kind of weird, right? Like I, some people say it's a, it's a six player draft. Some people say seven player draft, whatever, like that there's a, a decent enough drop off after those first, you know, X number of picks that you would probably want to entertain, um, you know, getting in there if you can, like I'd say, I guess the consensus that I see by and large right now is like Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. Those are like the top three. Kaminga and Green, the two G League guys, seem like they're kind of separating themselves as the four and five. To me, anywhere out, outside of that, once you get, you know, past six, I, I see so many different things about so many different guys that it's it's hard to you know cut through all the uh, all the various takes and figure out you know how many player of a draft this is as far as like the top top tier talent. Um, I would probably hold the two picks from 10 to 15, you know, assuming it was like pick, I don't know, 11 and 13 or something like that. I think there's going to be good talent to be had there. And I would rather take two stabs unless I could get into like the top five and guarantee myself one of those five guys, Cunningham, Mobley, Suggs, Kaminga, Green. Unless I can get one of those five, I think I'm probably holding at picks 10 to 15, you know, just keep those two picks in hand, make two selections and trust my scouting team to, you know, pick me out two great guys out of this draft class, or at least find me one out of the two. You know, it, it, you can't expect every lottery pick to be a home run, which I think is a trap that Knicks fans fall into way too often. Um, but, you know, if you get one NBA NBA contributor and one, you know, home run out of those two, then that's great. You know, and, and I think that there's a really easy path to that in this draft based off the depth of it. Um even, even if you just look domestically, you know, even just in the college ranks this year, there's that level of depth. And then that's not even factoring in the fact that there's probably some um, some players from overseas that are going to show off enough, you know, in workouts and stuff that they're going to move up the board, potentially shake things up, you know, in the top 10 or 15 or whatever, and let other guys fall too. So there's a, there's a lot to you know, be excited about in the 10 to 15 range in this draft, I think. And so unless, unless trading into the top seven means trading into the top five, I think I'm on board with holding both picks and just making both selections. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm generally on board with you for the second one. For the first one, uh, would you rather the Knicks make the playoffs or end up with two first round picks inside of the top 10? Uh, the, the way I took this is essentially that the Knicks would, would fall into the top 10 in, in, in the latter scenario, but in the first scenario, like there's no guarantee about what happens to Dallas. So I, I assume they would just stay on their current trajectory. And if you, if you put a gun to my head, I would say, I think Dallas either makes the playoffs or, or comes close enough that the Knicks are getting like one of the last two picks in the lottery. So I would, I would personally, I've, I made this very clear a bunch of times on the podcast. I would, I mean, whatever has to happen for the Knicks to, to get into the top 10, I would, I would kind of, I kind of suffer it, even even if it means like 
like someone like quickly like doesn't finish the season as strong as you would like. I mean, I think that's that's the worst version of it, but it could just be as simple as like Julius Randle misses ten games at some point, and that that's enough for the Knicks to to completely tumble. Or or it could even be that the Knicks like maintain everyone, and we've seen we've seen them falter a little bit the last two games, and you you wonder at certain points like, all right, I mean, it was what they were doing early in the year just a little bit unsustainable? Uh, who knows? But I would I would take the two top ten picks. I think there's a whole lot of talent in this draft. And you look at how well the Knicks are currently situated for the future. You add two of the top ten guys in this draft. Like let's just say, for example, you get Jalen Green and Corey Kispert. Like that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good base of talent you have going forward. All of a sudden you go from this team like two and a half years ago or even even two years ago. That was completely rudderless to one that you could argue has one of the three to five best young cores in the NBA. So even if it miss, means missing the playoffs, even if it means like some setbacks in the moment, I would I would definitely take the two top ten picks. Um, as far as the second question, I'm in total agreement. If, if the premise is you get into the top five, give me give me that guy. I think you're getting, if not a sure star, you're you're getting someone with probably the best pedigree of anyone. The Knicks have drafted in the last couple of years. And I know RJ, like if he were just in this draft out of Duke, he would be right in that top five conversation. I would guess that because of his jumper and the way uh, Kuminga has shot it and the way Jalen Green has shot it and the and just how solidified the top three guys are, RJ would probably be the sixth guy in this draft. So I, I just don't think you can pass up on, on that kind of talent. And I, I assume he, I mean, he's asking what future asset would you include? I, I think like the premise of that is like you wouldn't necessarily trade the Dallas pick on top of the Knicks pick or, or vice versa. Like you would, you would maybe say, Oh, could we, could we trade like nine and Obi Toppin to get into the top five? And that's pretty interesting. Could you trade nine in like the 2023 Dallas pick? Um, I would, I'd be willing to do any of that. I, I don't think I would, I would definitely wouldn't trade the pick and one of like RJ quickly Mitch or Randall to get into the top five. If you were asking if I trade one of those guys straight up to get into the top five, it was if it was the top two, I would I would probably do it. If it wasn't, I would I would have some hesitations about that. But it's certainly an interesting question. I think as, as fascinating as as last draft cycle was, Alex, and as much as we dove into it, I think as we get closer and closer to draft time, we're we're going to have a lot of different scenarios to go over and, and a lot of a lot of tough questions as Knicks fans and. Ultimately, I bet it'll probably be pretty similar to this year's draft, where the simplest thing is the truest thing, and the Knicks don't make any trades, and they just end up picking uh, wherever they end up. But it's certainly a fascinating question, and I think we're looking at another uh, wildly interesting NBA draft this year. Yeah, you know, I think I took the—I didn't even address the other asset part, which I just forgot. But like, I, you know, I took that as meaning you'd have to trade both picks plus another asset to potentially move up, which I do think would probably be the cost depending on where it is. Right. If it's the question says top seven, like, so if it was like, Oh, 10 and 13 isn't enough to get you to seven, I'd be like, all right, kick rocks, buddy. Like I'll, I'll just take my chances at 10 and 13. Like that's ridiculous. Um, but if it was like 10 and 13 to move up to four wasn't enough, or something, then I'd be like, yeah, okay, you got a point. And I would imagine then that it would require another asset. Like, but much like you, I don't think I would want to be like, okay, yeah, take RJ or take quickly or take Mitch or whatever. And Mitch won't even be able to be on the table at this point now. Cause now his, I think the Knicks are going to be ready to decline his option and, 
and get him, you know, signed on as a restricted free agent to a new contract in this offseason. Um, well, I don't know for sure if that takes him off the table or not. I think it, I think he's off the table in so far as the Knicks don't pick up his fourth year option. Um, you know, or if they haven't picked it up yet, then he's not eligible for trade at draft time. I'd have to like check the CBA stuff to be sure about that. But either way, he's probably off the table. So it would have to be like quickly or RJ or I mean, I guess maybe Obi Toppin if he was enough. If the Knicks had the 10 and 13 pick and Obi Toppin was enough to sweeten the pot to get some team to give the Knicks number four and let them draft like Kuminga or something, then yeah, I'm all on board because Kaminga is like Kaminga is it would do like everything that you want Toppin to do in theory, but way better and with like actual like big time star upside and actually like can defend the wing and stuff while still being like very lengthy and strong and everything else. So um, you know, I'll do that in a heartbeat if it was Toppin that which I guess kind of brings it all full circle as far as the the OB question, you know, of w- what I would trade him you know, what scenario I would trade him in. That would definitely be one um, where you can just kind of sell the idea of here's a, here's last year's number eight pick plus, you know, 10 and 13 to get us to number four. If some team was willing to take that, then, then I'd do that in a heartbeat. Um, Other than that though. Yeah. I, I think we're mostly in agreement. Like if it's, if it's past sort of that magic number, whatever that ends up being, I think it's going to end up being like five players that people say, okay, these five are like, in their own sort of class. You can break them into whatever tiers you want. You know, like Cade can be the number one all by himself. Maybe you have Mobley and Suggs in tier two, and then, you know, Green and Kaminga in tier three, whatever. But then, you know, if that's the point then where they say, okay, but, you know, between tier one, two, three, it's it's thin margins. Then from tier three to tier four, it's, it's a big drop-off or like you, a lot more question marks with these guys. Then I'd say, okay, you know, if I can get in under that magic number, you know, and, and get a pick there, then I would give up the two picks plus an extra asset. But if you know it's just to get to number seven, which is like, okay, you get a you get a slightly higher uh, shot in the dark than you did previously, but you know you don't get two shots anymore. Now you only get one. Then I'd say, no, forget it. Like I'll just stick where I'm at. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in total agreement, and I think I think that's a good note to wrap up this edition of the mailbag. But note, we got enough questions for at least four episodes, maybe more. As it always goes, we 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 keep our expectations in check, and we are we are always overwhelmed potentially with a guest. So tune in for that, and tune in tomorrow morning for or potentially tonight for a recap of tonight's game. Till next time, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. Bye.